All right, Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. We'll look at the first nine verses tonight. Kind of some similar things to what we've looked at in the last chapter. Uh, In the last chapter we looked at, in the last couple of chapters, we've seen uh, Israel had sinned, and Moses is is pleading with God, saying, Look, God, have have mercy on these people. They're stiff-necked people. Uh, God, go with us. Moses knew that they needed God's presence with them as they were going on the way to the promised land. Uh, God had originally said he was just going to send an angel because he couldn't bear to be with them for even a moment. Uh, But Moses pleaded with God. He asked God, and God said that he would go with them. Uh, Moses definitely wanted to make sure that God would be with them. And we're kind of carrying on with that same theme uh, uh, tonight. After, after the golden calf had been made, it had been destroyed, God was angry with the people. There was some punishment there. Uh, the people repented. Uh, Moses uh, interceded for them. And now we're, 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 we're back to Moses and the Lord here in chapter 34. So uh, let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father God, we thank you for these words that we have tonight, and I pray that we get something from your word tonight, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak through me, and I pray that you would speak to each each of us, God, that we would hear what you want us to hear tonight. I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I pray that you humble me, dear Lord, and I pray uh, that I just speak the words that you want these people to hear. And God, I pray that you do the work in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Exodus chapter 34, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Cut two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Now, if you remember, a few chapters back, whenever Moses was coming down the mountain, uh, God had given him the tablets with the commandments on them. And when he came down the mountain and saw the sinfulness that was going on among the people, it says that Moses threw the tablets down, so they were shattered. So the first stone tablets that God had given Moses with the commandments were destroyed. (coughs) Excuse me. And so God is telling Moses to come back up on the mountain and to bring some stone tablets that God was going to, uh, to remake the tablets for him so that the people would have uh, the tablets to look at. In verse 2, Be prepared by morning, come up Mount Sinai in the morning, and stand before me on the mountaintop. No one may go up with you. In fact, no one must be seen anywhere on the mountain. Even the flocks and herds are not to gaze in front of that mountain. So similar language to what we saw when God was first giving the people the Ten Commandments. They had to keep their distance from the mountain. It was only Moses who was allowed to go up, and the people didn't want to go up. They had asked Moses, if you would remember, look, you go up. You, you be the, you be the inter- intercessor between us and God. And so very similar language here to the first time when God gave them to com- the commandments. After all this sin had took place, after the tablets had gotten broken, now Moses is to go back. He's supposed to take stone tablets so that God... God can uh, rewrite these commands, and it's Moses alone who is going up on the mountain and not any of the people, not even the the flocks or the herds were to be uh, in the front of the mountain. In verse 4, Moses cut two stone tablets like the first ones. He got up early in the morning, and taking the two stone tablets in his hand, he climbed Mount Sinai just as the Lord had commanded him. The Lord came down in a cloud stood with him there and proclaimed his name, Yahweh. 
Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed. Now, this is good stuff. I think these last few verses here, verses 6 through 9, I think this is some good stuff for us to pay attention to. And just listen uh, to what the Lord is saying to Moses here. Now, the Lord's name is Yahweh. We see that word sometimes in the text, but that's just the name of God. And he says, look, uh, his name is Yahweh. He's telling Moses that here. And then God begins to speak here in verse 6. And he says, Yahweh. Yahweh is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving wrongdoing, rebellion, and sin. Now let's stop there for a minute because that passage there is a beautiful promise to let us know how God is, who God is, that God loves us, that God is faithful to forgive us of our sin when we come to Him and when we seek Him. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that's a truth that I need to be reminded of a lot. You know, I feel like sometimes as a pastor that maybe I'm, I'm guilty of, of maybe making God uh, seem angry or maybe uh, bringing God's wrath out more. Yes, there, there is punishment and there is wrath, but I don't ever want that to overshadow the fact that God is gracious, that God is full of love. And that's a truth that I need to be reminded of, and that's a truth that maybe you need to be reminded of too, because there are struggles I have. There are failures that I have. There are sins that I commit. There are things that I think and things that I do and things that I just, I feel the guilt of. I feel the burden of. I feel the shame of those things. And sometimes I think, boy, does God really love me? Could God still love me? Will God really forgive me? Have I reached the limit of the amount of times that God will forgive me? And you know, the devil will convince us God doesn't love you anymore. You've had your chances. God's done with you. God's angry with you. He's not hearing your prayers. You don't feel his presence because of your sin. You're never going to hear from the Lord again. He's not going to comfort you. Now, those are the types of thoughts that the enemy will put into our minds, or at least in my mind, and perhaps yours too. But that's why it's important that we have God's word and that we read God's word and that we are reminded of who God is. And this verse is a beautiful reminder to us if we're struggling with sin, if we're struggling with something in our life, and we wonder, does God love us? Well, this verse, I think, answers the question. Yes, God does love us, and God will forgive us. It's a, it's a good reminder that Yahweh is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger and rich in faithful love. Now, God is slow to anger. Now, it doesn't say that God doesn't anger. But he is slow to anger, not like me or maybe not like some of you. We, we tend to get angry quick. But God is a patient God. God is a slow to anger God. He is a God who is compassionate and he is a God who is gracious. And you may need to hear that truth tonight. I don't know what anybody's going through or what's on your heart, but maybe you need to hear those words tonight and you need to be reminded that God is compassionate. You may need some compassion in your life for something that you're going through, for something that you're struggling with. Know that the Lord is compassionate. He is gracious to you. He is full of love, and He is there to forgive your rebellion. He is there to forgive your sin. He is there to bring grace and mercy on you, to restore that relationship with Him so it's beautiful, so that you can experience that joy that maybe the enemy has told you that you can't experience, but you can experience it. <coughs> because of Jesus Christ. And these verses are a beautiful reminder to us of exactly who God is, and we need to know that. 
maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations. Now, I don't believe that that's a literal there. I believe the term a term a thousand is just to signify God's love is infinite. It's a lot. God's forgiveness is infinite. It's a lot. Uh, and, and, and two, a thousand generations, there's no limit to the people that God can forgive, that God can show faithful love and mercy to. Wouldn't that be a bummer if God's word really said, I'm only going to forgive up to a thousand generations? Boy, we'd be in here, and we after we read that, we'd be counting for the rest of the night. Okay, what generation am I? Am I a thousand and one? But no, that's not what God's Word is saying to us. It's saying that God's gracious and mercy, mercy uh, is, is abundant for generation after generation after generation to come. All those who have come and all those will, who will come, God's mercy and graciousness is good for them. Let's read the second half of the verse. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's wrongdoing on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. As beautiful of a reminder it is how wonderful and good God's grace and mercy are, the second half of the verse also reminds us that, look, there is punishment that God brings. There is punishment for our sin, and not just uh, punishment on us, but punishment that could, uh, that, could, that could go past us to other people that we encounter uh, for generations to come. Now, that's a tough verse for us to ha- wrap our head around. Uh, some would say that, that, that this verse is saying that God is going to punish children for sins that their father committed. And maybe that's what that verse means. But I, I, I hold a different view of that verse, and it may be incorrect, but I believe what this verse is saying is that, yes, the sins that we commit may affect our family for generations to come. Now, I, I believe we talked about this. I used this in another message uh, just a few weeks ago. We talked about this very thing. Uh, but imagine that there's a father who goes and he works hard every week, and he's making a check, and he's got a family. And he has a choice to make. He can use that check and he can provide for his family. He can provide for their education. He can provide for their well-being. He can make sure that they have all the things in life. He can make sure that money's put back so they can go to college. And chances are, if the father takes care of his family, if he gives them the education they need, if he gives them the nourishment they need, if he's provided for their future so that they can get a good education and get a good job, then guess what? that child will probably do well. And that child will probably pass those same things on to their children and on to their children. But if that same father were to take his money every week and instead of investing that and taking care of his family and his children for the good, he took all that money and let's say he went to the bar every week when he got off of work and he spent all his money on drinking and he didn't care for his children, but he came home and abused his children. He didn't provide an education for them. He didn't provide for their needs. He didn't show them love because of his addiction. Then guess what? Those children are going to grow up and they're not going to have opportunities. They're not going to be educated. They're not going to feel loved. Therefore, when they have children, they will pass that on to their children. And so the choices that we make and that we impart on our children and on our families and the things that we do can have an effect for generations to come, either to the good or to the bad. Now, I believe that that's what this verse is saying, but there may be others that disagree. But I believe that the choices that we make affect people for a long time to come. You've heard the old saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. The same is true for us. 
we turn out how we were raised. As much as we may not want to admit it, as much as we may not want to accept it, we eventually turn into our parents. Most of the time, that's exactly what happens. Everything we do, every way we act, we're acting like what we saw our parents act like most of the time. Not always. But generally speaking, I think that holds true for most of us. And so the choices we make and the things we do and the same things we say have an effect. And it's our choice to decide if we're going to have a good effect on the generations to come or if we're going to have a negative effect on the generations to come. We want to be those who find God's graciousness and love and mercy, and that's what we want to pass on. We want to be those who make good decisions uh, to take care of the people we encounter so that they will experience that love that we receive from God, and they will know that it came from God, and they will live their life in such a way that it passes it on to others. Now listen to Moses' response here in verse 8. It may behoove us to, uh, to, to follow in Moses' footsteps here. Moses immediately bowed down to the ground and worshiped. Then he said, My Lord, if I have indeed found favor in your sight, my Lord, please go with us. Even though this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wrongdoing and sin and accept us as your own possession. Now that's a good example for us to follow. Because, boy, those, those verses before should really put into perspective for us what God is like. That yes, God is good to us. God is gracious to us. God is merciful to us. But should we reject God, we will experience His punishment. So what did Moses do upon hearing God Himself say, All right, know this, Moses. When Moses heard it, he said, he fell down, he bowed down, he worshiped the Lord, and he said, Look, God, I know we are a hard-headed, I know we are a stiff-necked people, but please go with us. Forgive us for our wrongdoing and be with me, God, wherever I may go. Now, Moses is carrying on that same theme that we saw uh, just a few verses back where, where Moses desperately wanted to know that God was going to be with him. And Moses recognized who he was. He recognized that he was a sinner. Not just him, but all of Israel were sinners. He recognized that they were hard-headed people that were undeserving of God's grace, but he knew by hearing God himself say it that God was a forgiving God. He was a loving God. And when we hear God's Word, whether it's Exodus 33, uh, verses 6 and 7, or whether it's something else in God's Word, when God speaks to us and we see who God is, and we see God's love, or we see God's instruction, or we see God's warning, we should have a response to that. And Moses' response is a good place to respond. Sometimes we fall down to the Lord in worship because we recognize how wonderful He is. Sometimes we may fall down uh, to the Lord and, and prayer for forgiveness of our sinfulness. Sometimes we may fall to the Lord in praise. But there should be some response in our life when we hear God's word, whether we always fall to our knees or not. There should be some response in our life to hearing God's word uh, when we read it or when we hear it spoke to us that should cause some reaction to us. Whether it's praise to God or whether it's asking forgiveness, whatever it may be, we need to have a response. And that's what we see Moses having here. What's your response when you hear God's word tonight? What's your response when you read it next time? Let our response be like Moses. Let us seek God with all of our heart. Let us know that he is worthy of our praise. Let us know that he is gracious to forgive us. I want you to know that he still loves you. He is there for you. Don't forget that. Let's pray. <clears throat> 
God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for these words, and I pray that we just take them to heart. I pray that we hide them in our heart, dear Lord, for those days where we, where we sin, dear Lord, or where we struggle, or where we wonder if you love us. God, let us be reminded that your love is so great for us, dear Lord, that you are slow to anger. And God, I pray that if we are living in sin, maybe like the Israelites did, dear Lord, that we would just repent of that sin. God, I pray that we would make good choices for the people that we are surrounded by, that we would, uh, we would make choices that are going to affect us and those around us for the good, dear Lord, for our family, for generations to come. Let us pass down love. Let us pass down grace. Let us pass down mercy. Uh, let us pass down things that are going to help our family and help our world, dear Lord, so that we can have a good effect. And God, let us, when we hear you speak to us through your word, dear Lord, just as Moses heard you speak, God, sometimes we hear you speak. Maybe it's through your words. Maybe it's through a song. God, maybe it's just through the Holy Spirit putting something on our heart. God, when we hear you, whatever you put on our heart, God, let us praise you. Let us seek you for forgiveness. And let us humble ourselves before you. Whatever it is, dear Lord, let us respond to you. God, let us seek you with all our heart. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I can give you guys just a few updates tonight.